0: Good morning!
1: Morning!
0: Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Say something, goddammit! You're on television! You're live to the whole world! in case i don't see ya good afternoon good evening and good night
2: okay hello and welcome guys to midweek matinee a weekly movie podcast where we get together uh normally four of us and discuss one movie in depth as chosen at the end of the previous episode by the next running up host i'm your host for this week's episode uh, Brett Beck and i have chosen truman show uh alongside me as as happened every week so far is mr josh
0: hello mr josh here doing my best to live up to the title thank you
2: mr josh is a good title to have all right next up is my boy chris figs over here trying to win a trophy war he'll never win
3: (laughs) those are those are (laughs) shots fired and you're probably right yeah no that's definitely true (laughs) I've still g- literally gained
2: none. I've not played my PlayStation in yeah. weeks. You don't have anything to worry about. I Maybe just need to finish Doom.
3: But now yeah, I, I, I got my relaxing on you. My nice nice awesome awesome monitor playing some 4K GTA 5. Mm, <sighs> PS4 is not looking great.
2: It's it, too, it, too bad that Blake is t- busy playing ps1 games and ps2 games (laughs) maybe he'd be getting some trophies and that leaves us with our last man of course mr blake popst
1: how's it going everybody
2: so i have a very simple question to start this episode off with uh but before we get into that the warning that we always give anybody of course this movie is over 20 years old at this point uh so if you've not watched the truman Show. Uh, go check the movie out and then come back and listen to the episode afterwards so you can share along and listen to our thoughts without having to worry about being spoil- spoiled. But here we are. The opening question is a very simple one. I know that you had to have liked The Truman Show, all of you.
3: <laughs> so yes. why did
2: you like The Truman Show? <laughs> I'm going to start off uh, in the same order that I announced off offense. So Mr. Joshua, uh, let us hear your thoughts because I know that you and Chris were my big, like I was really interested since me and Blake kind of had this, oh, we've watched it before, and this is just going to be a great, you know, time to rewatch it. But for mm-hmm. you and Chris, it's like you get to come into this with a little bit of a, you know, knowledge of what it is, as we've done with a couple of other movies on here. But this is you coming into it the first time, fully watching it in earnest. So, what'd you think of it?
0: Yeah, this is one of those movies that like. You know, it's just, I've always heard about it and I've always heard that it's a little bit of a departure even though it's commonly listed among, you know, the immediate handful of Jim Carrey movies that everyone immediately names off when they're like, I love Jim Carrey. uh, Which for me contributed to, uh, I had the same exact thing happen for Eternal Sunshine actually where for whatever reason, anytime I ever saw like a trailer or someone was talking about it, they left out so many details that it seemed like it was a comedy movie so like Mm. going into eternal sunshine i was like this is not a funny movie oh my god um (laughs) and it was it was a little similar here but it was like like in the good way i guess but uh yeah i don't know I, i think i learned from eternal sunshine to expect this one to be more serious uh, okay, and
2: it's really interesting that you say that, too, coming off the fact that Eternal Sun Sign was actually much later, almost 10 years after Truman Show, uh, 2004. And Truman Show, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was 95 or 98, so I know it was definitely a good bit after. Um, but, yeah, that's that's surprising. I mean, I, as someone who loved Jim Carrey, I understand the easy mentality to fall into definitely from his earlier films that he's just going to be a goofy, ridiculous actor. And I think one of the things I love about him so much that you see uh, expressed in this movie is the same. The same thing that's inside of him that lets him pull off those really zany and wild characters are the same thing that lets him touch into very raw performances of human characters, I think. Uh, Mm. And I've always loved him as a serious actor, even though it is a uh, lesser worn hat for him, or at least was. I think in his later years,
3: he's decided to do more serious stuff. Well, that moves us on to Mr. Chris. What did you think about the movie? I don't know. I have a lot of takes on this movie it was very good i i really enjoyed it it was one of the few movies where like you i started off kind of fucking on my phone a little bit just kind of put it down subconsciously and just ended up watching the whole thing so yeah no i really enjoyed it i was really happy that it was as good as it was Blake, you coming back around and watching it,
2: uh, how'd you feel? Any different from your previous times watching it? You, like me, have seen it multiple times, so it's not like a huge deal. Uh, I don't know about you. The last time I had seen it, it's actually been almost 10 years, so it was really nice to come back to it. It was kind of like a little bit of a deja vu where it's like, of course I know what's happening, but seeing it all fresh felt good. So what about you?
1: Yeah, it's one that I've seen, you know, probably a dozen times or so, maybe a little less. But um, I think the last time I saw it was... A year ago, maybe, so not too long ago, and I don't really feel any differently. I still think it's Jim Carrey's best movie. I absolutely, I love everything about it. So,
2: yeah, I definitely think it's one of Jim Carrey's best movies. It's one of those things I have a really hard time uh, deciding between. You know, for anybody who's curious, and I really think that we will get to these movies in this show podcast eventually because i love them and i think they bring a lot to the table one mm-hmm. of them's already been brought up by mr josh i think the three movies for me i weirdly enough with jim carrey being known to be this iconic funny man and i do love all of his funny movies mm. uh but to me his three best works are it, it's hard to choose but it's somewhere it's kind of like a jumbled tie of the truman show eternal sunshine of the spotless mind and a later movie that i do think is rest in a very similar vein to this uh, while still being a very funny movie having a lot of really heartfelt moments and it's a movie called uh, I Love You Philip Morris and it's fantastic it's so good and I hope that none of you have watched it because getting to that eventually is going to be so good but that's a technically a little bit of a spoiler for that episode because it's been a good few years since i've watched it so we'll watch it again uh so the question that kind of come to mind with this uh since you know me and blake have seen it before and we're coming back around to it i feel the same as blake watching it again did nothing more than just cement how much of a good movie i think it is mm-hmm. and the bigger thing that kind of every time i feel like i feel like every time i watch the movie it becomes immediately obvious to me like This movie ages so well. So do do you guys generally agree with that? I feel like even though it's a 25-year-old movie at this point, 23, 25-year-old movie, it doesn't feel that dated. Like, you know, of course, the title cards and kind of the ideas around that. But as soon as the movie gets going in earnest, I don't feel like it feels that old.
3: No, I agree with you. I think the thing that really works in this movie's favor is like some of the things you could look at and be like, that's kind of shitty CGI. They kind of almost built that into like the premise Mm -hmm. you know i kind of knew what was going on but i wasn't 100 percent sure and i there was a scene of the moon right at the beginning and i'm like that moon looks fake as fuck (laughs) and then it it was fake as fuck obviously it's interesting because like that doesn't necessarily take you out because you're like well his whole world is fake and it kind of works to cover up any blemishes you might see in that way so i really enjoyed it that way
2: Okay, yeah. Would Josh, you got something add of that?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with all those takeaways. I think um, there were moments that the soundtrack stood out just because it leaned a little heavily on, like, 90s soundtrack tropes. Like, the main <laughs> thing that did it for me was, like, uh, when he sees his dad getting taken away by those dudes and it immediately goes to, like, chase sequence music. <laughs> yeah. um, that was a little abrupt. Uh, but, I mean, overall, I can appreciate, like, This movie's having a little bit dated of a soundtrack is still, it still works as an aesthetic thing, especially since like all the cars are 90s, but they're like obviously brand new at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think for what few unavoidable things there are that place it in a time, uh, there aren't any that make it feel like. with maybe the exception of, like, I think our idea of spy cameras has changed in the past, like, 20 years, and we don't so much go for, like, the invisible pinprick on any surface, and it could be watching you at any time, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. al- although I guess reality did almost make that happen with our little eyesight cams we all cover up. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, um, o- overall, there wasn't really much that made it seem super dated, honestly. like, And even, like, to the way it was shot, everything, like it's a really good looking movie and it holds up for sure.
2: Yeah. Um- before I move on to Blake just so I don't lose it uh, you brought up a good point of like you know you have that kind of 90s look but even then even with the cars that are kind of 90s cars and you have that kind of going at the same time the movie kind of flirts with what I view as like the the television uh, model American family thing you know mm-hmm. where it's like and of course that's part of the show and I actually think that ties into like your, your statement of uh, the soundtrack I think even though the soundtrack kind of feels like abrupt that it would break into this chase scene music it feels right with the premise of the idea that everything that's going on is what you're viewing through the lens of a TV show. So mm-hmm. it's like, just like the viewers in the movie are hearing soundtrack and stuff swell in when the producers who are behind the scenes tell them to. It's kind of like it's a, I don't know, is probably not the word, but it's like a way to tie you back into the same idea of what you're watching just a, a movie of a, of a you're watching a filming of something that's actually being filmed within the rules of this world. Mm -hmm. Uh, But going back to that family thing, I feel like it is part of that whole, you know, it's like, the way the house is and even though it's the 90s how his wife kind of dresses in like almost like a 60s nurse outfit yeah. and like rides her bike like it definitely pulls from that uh, same thing that i think fallout typically goes into which is like from the 40s to like maybe the late 50s where it's like oh the model american mom leave it to beaver almost you know it's like yeah. something about that sterile kind of perfect family thing is like what we view as are definitely what the movie is trying to push as the average american definitely at that time views as like the perfect family uh-huh. uh, so it's very interesting thing to go into and i think that that's one of the things that helps that not date it to me it seems like it's a choice insofar as trying to help the movie and oh we're building the perfect world and this is the way that you view the perfect world uh but blake i'm going to extend that off to you is there anything in the movie that you think kind of dates it or do you think that it, uh, it does a lot to separate itself from being dated
1: no, I don't think anything super dates it, I guess. I mean, like Josh said, you know, just the cars and some of the music, obviously, but that's more of like, mm-hmm. like I mean, there's nothing you can do about that, you know? There's nothing mm-hmm. like plot-wise or character-wise, I don't think, that dates it a whole lot.
3: Sure. But
1: um, to speak on what you said was kind of like the perfect, you know, TV family or whatever, I get, every time I watch this movie, I think of um, Pleasantville. Have y'all seen that Toby Maguire movie? I have not.
2: Yeah. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I've never seen it, but I remember seeing the trailers for it.
1: Oh man, it's so good. Um well, we'll But it's basically eventually. like <laughs> Toby Maguire gets sucked into like a nineteen fifties era T V show. And okay. so like I don't know, it just kinda like the whole vibe of this show reminds me of that show. It's a very different movie, but every time I watch it I think of that movie. So and you saying that reminded me again.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's fair because, like, again, it goes back to like, the word I used earlier, I think it's kind of the perfect word, word, is that the movie feels sterile, like everything feels too easy and too perfect, which it's in some way is too. interesting. Yeah, it's like it, – it. it makes the movie kind of – interesting to watch because like you start to question until the movie i'm glad that the movie actually chooses to uh bring these things up it's like you know when you're first watching the movie you kind of have this thing of like you know this is all going really well like is this like a situation where within the i like within the realm of the movie you're dealing with this fact of like okay by the time that we're meeting Truman he's later in life he's got a good job he's got all these things but the way that it's all so clean and perfectly done you kind of have this thing of like well does he ever know what it's like to like lose a job and worry about money and have to think about a house payment and the movie kind of does things to nudge and be like oh these things still do exist uh, though they're highly controlled because like you know he has the the boss that comes in or the co-worker that is like hey you know they're doing cuts Uh, if you want to make sure you have a job you need to go do this sale Mm -hmm. uh which is also funny that that ties into a bigger piece which we'll get into later but yeah the movie does a lot to kind of eventually be like okay he did go to college he did do all these things his wife goes like you know we have financial responsibilities we have a mortgage we have this we wanted to make a kid so it's like the movie tries to within the realm of the show tie you back into the fact that it's like oh no he's still just your normal American person even if he's in a controlled environment he's in like a controlled environment that still has a form of some of the hardships that an average person would go through it's just like a very twisted controlled version of it and that's just a weird thing about the movie uh, but it also makes the movie super I don't. I don't know if unique is the word, but it kind of is. I mean, like there's something about the movie. that I don't feel like I've felt that exact presence watching anything else.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's almost like it's ironic that it's it's more present in that than it than in shows that are not s- supposed to be a camera looking in on cameras looking in on somebody. So it's like somehow Leave It to Beaver feels less sterile than this. Yeah, because I guess it's, it's that much more uncomfortable that you know all these people are faking it within the roles of their own world so it's like even more weird but Josh did you have something to say I know you were kind of agreeing
0: yeah it's got like that weird mixture of you know the sort of halcyon days like uh, American nostalgia thing and it has mm-hmm. like reality show tropes that are kind of interestingly like you know hinted to and like the, the cuts back to the audience and showing their investment in the story I think is really interesting and their continued kind of reacting and experiencing his you know his ups and downs along with them um, but yeah it's there's so much going on in this movie where it combines so many different like styles of filmmaking and does them all really incredibly well cause like there are totally moments that like out of context are just classic like Jim Carrey being a fucking goofball moments um, <laughs> yeah. and it's so amazing like how well suited he is for that and how well they play off of that and it's like it's like uh obviously this came way later but it's like that episode of rick and morty where they're in a really shitty simulation and it's like you're just so either dumb or just two dimensional or just like stuck in your routine that you just don't <clears throat> notice that like the mailman's walking through the tree and like the neighbors like do the exact same like wave and <laughs> lean back and laugh every day and, yeah, yeah
2: you know it's weird i almost wonder if that rick and morty episode was somewhat inspired by this you know i in feel like sense it has because technically this is a simulation right and that what you would call this I mean I mean yeah it's like a real simulation simulation, I guess yeah
0: that's actually we can get into that later if you want but I I think about simulations a lot which is surprising to no one hearing this but uh, (laughs) that I think is really interestingly addressed because it's like it was a little more of like a far-flung concept at the time this movie was made than it is like a thing today where we're like well shit is that a thing happening right now Um, are
1: we in a simulation (laughs) 100% everything is numbers
0: (laughs) how close are we to creating a simulation where it's like convincing enough you know like it's it's so interesting seeing this movie's creation of a system with its own enclosed loop and rules and stuff and it doing that by the rules of like a movie set is like a really fascinating take on I think the simulation like trope from sci-fi
2: in a way Sure, because you wouldn't look at the normal idea of a simulation and think that this is really it. But it's a simulation in a more grounded way that is not like computers and whatnot. It's really, it's like, no, this is more human hand-controlled simulation. But it's a simulation nonetheless. Mm -hmm. None of it's legitimately real. You know, I love that the movie kind of goes back to that too. It's like, well, you know, one of the last lines from Jim Carrey is like, was any of it real? And it's like, well, you were real. But that's because he was the only constant that was actually real everything else around him regardless of what they want to say you could say it's controlled but realistically it's it's fake i mean you know you don't have a partner that genuinely loves you you don't have a friend that generally as you know, a little it, essentially his best friend you don't really tr- you don't believe that he has any of truman's best interest at heart so when you keep looking at that it's like this is a, this is a simulation for all intents and purposes
1: right yeah i would agree with that And like his his wife in the movie like i just wonder like when she went to apply for like or like i guess audition for it or whatever like all right you're gonna have to sleep with this guy also for like the rest of your life hopefully if this all works out (laughs) (laughs) like
2: what a job (laughs) well and that's so weird but the movie touches on that with like the oh, we, we were talked about making a baby and then later having him be like, why would you want to make a baby with me? You hate me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's such a right, weird right. thing to think of like this person <clears throat> essentially contractually saying, well, you know what? I want this and this is a good job and it has its own perks and I'll be on television <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. So I'm willing to sacrifice my ovaries and womb uh, towards <laughs> somebody that I don't really have any genuine feelings for. Um Jesus. One of the things I thought was crazy about that is like, of course, I know that the movie's trying to do something and show like a manufactured world, but wouldn't it have been so much easier to let the Sylvia girl uh, or Lauren in this case, as she was called in that world, wouldn't it have been be easier to to let her be with him and just be like, hey, keep it going? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know I, what that I mean? was my like, w- why overly issue. Control? And again. I think it's the movie trying to say of like you know the dangers of of kind of a fully manufactured world like this is one of the things that's going to happen is that when you're doing this you're going to want to control everything to the most microscopic level you can and you see that in every single aspect of the movie with like you know he opened the elevator at a time when we did not normally ordain him to so we weren't ready to show the false wall that we normally would have for him to work you know it's like all these different things that are going on behind the scenes just to nail in the fact that he's living in a perfect world you know yeah
1: I think an issue, yeah. too, with just letting him be with, like, a woman that does love him is that one day she, you know, might start feeling bad for him and then tell him the truth or whatever, like, it's they true. need to escape, you know, whereas... We saw that happen <laughs> <laughs> do what?
2: without years. We saw that happen without even having to have years. Right, yeah, <laughs> for sure.
0: The birthday, or the the Christmas gift. <laughs> <laughs> the guy jumping out.
1: Come I'm on, on TV! Yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: Um, one of the things I love I'm glad y'all brought that up one of the things I love about this movie is that it kind of does there's like... I think blake was the one who mentioned it it's like there's constantly like ties back to the audience and being like their investment it may have been josh Uh josh. Talking about their investment in the uh situation where it's like oh they're watching and they've been watching for so long so they all have their own reasons as to why they want to see truman do well even if it's technically uh for the worse of the show like yeah. the show the show's continuation it's like people have that we've been watching him for so long we want to see him be happy even if that means breaking out of all this um but I love that before, even then people are complicit because they've been watching for years and they know. But I love that the movie decided to kind of show you that there are multiple people who are for various different reasons trying to get on the set. Like one just to be like, hey, I'm on the Truman Show. Other ones like the guy paragliding in with the sh- sign on his shirt that says <laughs> <laughs> you're being watched on TV or whatever, or this is a TV <laughs> show. Uh, it was kind of interesting to me that they chose to put that extra level of detail in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah
2: because, you know, that's a pretty interesting thing. Uh, Chris, I don't know if I've been accidentally skipping over you or not, but you've been quiet for a little while. So <laughs> do you have anything you want to add to what we've been talking about?
3: Um, just that I, I agreed with you that my, my biggest problem, especially with the beginning of the movie, was that they didn't let certain events play out naturally. And it kind of, I feel like, made things worse every time when we saw it. You know, the, the very obvious answer is the the Lauren girl or Sylvia, whichever you want to call her. Because um, to me, that that seemed like just making it obvious what's going on. Right. You know, the father, him being pulled away. Where I'm like, if you just let all these things happen, maybe this continues on. And instead, you put roadblocks in your way to that ended up ending your show early. That's just how mm-hmm. I saw it. Yeah, um, no,
2: for sure. Uh, again, I think it's about the dangers of... Uh, our, it, it's kind of a... I look at it as a parable of trying to control situations too much. Definitely. Like to some extent, you're supposed to let things just happen as they're going to happen. And if you overly try to control things, it's just going to come back and bite you in the ass. Um, which I actually kind of like. Because I thought you know when you're watching, you think the same thing. It's like, why would they randomly just have a bunch of people come up and pull this guy into a bus and just nobody at all reacts to truman which is (laughs) such an unnatural thing to do as we're used to right but to go back to something that i meant to say earlier and it's good that we got back around to it uh chris was talking about the moon being like the you know you you come up and you see this shot of the moon you're like that looks so fake yeah it looks like when people are like oh the lizard people live in the moon (laughs) Um, (laughs) but uh, they do the thing about that is like I, of course we as a viewer see that way because we've lived in the world as it actually is at least as far as we know right. <laughs> Simulation theory coming back around in here um but what I love about this movie is it kind of writes home something I talk about all the time uh, with my wife. And she'll say something's weird. And I'm kind of like, well, I guess it's only weird because we're not used to it, right? It's like anything that's weird to you is is entirely possible to be normal if if it's what has always been to you. Like, you know, sometimes people are like, wouldn't it be weird if, like, we pooped out of our mouths? It's like, well, <laughs> if we had always pooped out of our mouths, it wouldn't yeah, be it weird. Wouldn't be it weird. would just be what everybody did. Exactly. And that's kind of what this movie plays into is like, does that moon look fake as hell? Yes. Right. He's never seen another moon. Why would he know any different? Yeah. Is the weather really good far too often? Yeah. <laughs> but he's never been outside in the real world to know that weather is not supposed to be that consistent yeah. realistically. You know, it's like his world being so manufactured has led him to a point where all of the things we found excuse me, all the things that we found strange are not as strange or strange at all to him. Like, you know, one of the things I love is the introduction of the movie and it's kind of meant to, I think, be the catalyst in a weird way of what makes him start thinking about things is mm-hmm. when the light falls from the top yeah. at the very beginning and he's <laughs> just like, where the hell did this light come
3: from?
2: <laughs> secured this car Yeah, like, and he's never even really had to think about show business in that way so he has no reason to really double question it and if you even think about that I think that they push that a little further in the movie where it's kind of like a subtle hint that in this world, they've probably gone out of their way to not show him too much about the way the shows are made so that he would not pick up on things as often. He's like, you know when he hits the elevator button and he opens it and he sees what is essentially like the back directing room where they have like the, the table set up the craft you know, extras and whatnot. <laughs> and he's like, what is that? What are you doing? It's like he doesn't even realize what that is. He, he yes. knows it's odd, but he doesn't know why it's odd. Yeah, that's a good question.
3: That also kind of goes back to why I have an issue with them not letting things play out is that he's a man, like exactly you're saying, he's raised in this world so they could have told him almost anything and as long as they didn't freak out when they said it they probably could have convinced him.
2: You know? I mean, I guess they technically do that, you know, when they're showing the kind of... uh Montage of the teacher and like the dog yeah. scaring him on the bridge, and the teacher yeah. being like, Well, you can't be an adventurer, you're too yeah. late. That's, a, that's <laughs> my, my like favorite part. Discovered. She pulls yeah. it yeah, out and I said, It's
1: already them. been explored.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was really his look funny. of defeat, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, you know, it's like they've stifled everything about him, which I guess is a good way to go ahead and get into that. And one of the things I love about this movie, <clears throat> though it's also kind of weird to make it talk about, it's like because of the, the actual premise of the movie, they kind of need to address everything rather than leaving it a little like, well, here's the events and you can clearly get what's happening here. But they, because it's a movie about a show that's supposed to be happening, they have to touch on it, which makes it weird to talk about for us. But it's like the uh the constant product placement right <laughs> part of me would have loved to see the product placement be there and just let the viewer be like clearly that's product placement and never discuss it at all but within the world of what we're watching it would be more consistent to when you're having an interview with a guy to mention about that like that is a real question that someone would ask within that world if this was really happening like oh you know this is one of the ways to show subsidized oh okay it kind of takes your ability excuse me a way to be able to kind of be like oh okay Uh, yeah that's really good I remember the first time I watched this movie and she gives like this super weird look where it's like um, I think the first one if I'm not mistaken is the chef thing uh, or no it's the free range kaiser chicken mm-hmm. the guys yeah. press them up against the the board and every time they press them up against the board there's a different advertisement in it <laughs> and like that's the first one you see It's like they push them against it, and it says kaiser free range chicken uh and then shortly after that when he's in the garden his wife comes home with the chef pal thing uh i love all those moments because like to me they're clearly product Product placement, it -hmm. would have been kind of cool for the movie to let the viewers just kind of pick up on that and be like, oh, that's funny. But I get why they had to talk about it. And it's it's an interesting thing within the movie of this goes into something I bring up a lot when movies do it well. But every part of this movie comes back around in the plot in some direction, in some way, for some reason. Mm -hmm. And I love it. I love when movies – this is going to sound super weird, but this is very similar – when we were talking about house of a thousand corpses um on that episode if we can hopefully edit that together to where it's listenable uh Mm -hmm. is much like house of a thousand corpses where maybe not everything is exactly perfect in the context of other movies but for some reason and what it's doing within its movie it's perfect it's like it knows what it wants to be and it just excels at doing it that's exactly what this movie is it's like everything comes back around and finds a way and a purpose to be there and it just somehow it just manages to, to do a good thing. Um or uh, you know, be just the best at what it's trying to do. Um yeah. one of the things, touch touching back on what you said, Josh, is like they try a bunch of like there's a bunch of different like filming styles and almost like they're kind of genre hopping if you didn't pay if you didn't know the context within it. Mm-hmm. Like I know it sounds weird, but like when it it almost if it was framed differently and that's what's kind of fun about this if you take individual shots and scenes out and you frame them in a different context some of those scenes would make for good horror scenes some of them would make for good straight comedy, ridiculous movie scenes, some of them would make for good drama scenes some of them would make, it's like you move around and this movie's doing so much Uh, the scene where he's like following his wife and going to the hospital and trying to break in and like everybody's trying to fight his way and like hurrying around like if, if you change the score slightly different on that the way that it was shot and kind of the urgency and all the movement it kind of reminded me of like a oh, this is weird this is kind of like a it feels tense in a way that you'd expect in a horror movie but this is clearly not a horror movie but it feels so well done for what they're trying to do can
3: I can I can I cut uh, for a second actually go ahead. yeah um, you just said something interesting because you said that they kind of shoot this like a horror movie and that gives me a really good opportunity to give my potentially hot take where this is a horror movie. This entire movie is a horror movie. Ooh,
2: this this is like a this is like orwellian horror,
3: horror right? It's, it's like a, I mean <laughs> it, more lovecraftian. <laughs> I mean it's just a, it's a psychological like but I mean see Cthulhu back in the clouds. <laughs> I mean, if you really want to go with metaphors, Christopher Christoph would definitely fit that. <laughs> um, but no, this movie is a hundred percent a horror movie, and if it, 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 and I think it was really interesting. Because I'm watching it, thinking that the whole time, and I'm the big thing that came to mind was how much music makes that, and like a little bit of different scene placement and this is like a legitimately like people are talking about this as a psychological thriller and that kind of <laughs> is super interesting to me because really yeah. if you have chris if the scene where Kristoff is directing the scene is how you kind of open and there's a maybe a little bit more of him and the music is less i don't know what the right word would be but like up uplifting i guess it's a, it's a, it's a it's a legitimately scary movie because i think this is is borderline one of the most fucked up movies i've ever seen in my life (laughs) so i don't know like you
2: know i I think you've stumbled onto something here chris i think i may have a way uh to describe this yes this is the semi-charmed life of movies uh, (laughs) where white suburban moms hear this song and lose their minds yeah dance on the dance floor and love it so much but never stop to pay attention to the fact that it's a song about drugs and mm-hmm. and sex and all these crazy things that most moms would probably be like, "Don't do that." But it's like <laughs> we're gonna just go ahead and say, "Doing crystal meth lifts you up until you break and Don't stop. <laughs> it is what it is. <clears throat> but it's like this movie. I, I get what you're saying. It's like this movie's taking a, a very dark concept and wrapping it up in a um, somewhat uplifting manner. That yeah, kind of. I wouldn't say betrays the the actual scariness of the, or at least the disturbing nature of the subject matter, uh, but yeah, that's really interesting. You know what, what would be fantastic uh, is if we did a recut of this movie. Uh, this movie. Yeah. And opened with that scene and put some like very tense music behind it. And kind of, this would be a really fun thing to do if we ever get some extra time on our hands.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, oh, yeah. honestly, I think the fact that it's so uplifting is what makes it so scary. Not, I don't know if uplifting is the right word, but it's so lighthearted. I get what you mean. Yeah. And that
2: uh, uh, sterile, again, it's like, yeah. it's so sterile that it kind of makes you unsettled.
3: Yeah. It's, it's all of these people. Working towards this one goal of violently torturing a human being. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know, man. It, it just.
0: Yeah. I mean, there were so many really incredibly, like if I, I agree, this movie works as horror, like, especially like, I don't know for the viewer, because w- the more thematically overt moments of the movie where like, where Kristoff's kind of going into like his big overarching, like, you know it's safer for you here there are bad things out in the world like mm-hmm. all the different like ways that it tries to draw parallels between like our society and like this sort of weird like analogy of Truman's experience yeah. Uh, yeah. there there are so many that are just so dystopian and so incredibly bleak That Mm. are like, they're kind of crushing when the movie delivers them. Like there's the one where Christoph is like, he could leave at any time. If his was more than just a vague ambition, if he was absolutely determined to discover the truth, there's no way we could prevent him. I think what distresses you really, caller, is that ultimately Truman prefers his cell, as you call it. And just like okay, no. yeah, mm-hmm.
2: and that kind of taps into that horror that people have all the time of like being stuck in one place and feeling like the feeling the half spirit to want to get up and change your life, but then relegating yourself back to what you've always done because it's safer and cozier. Right. Yeah. It's like it hits back into that psychological nature of where it's like it's horror, but it's only horrifying because deep down you know it to be true. about yourself or at least you've known it's you've you know it's been true about you at some point in time even if you've eventually changed it it like eats into a dark core that i think everybody has to some ability yeah so
0: yeah and i mean his whole like uh the the climax of him like finally confronting his fear and going out on the boat and like you know having to deal with like his trauma about his dad and all that stuff like it's so you know like on the nose but like brilliantly delivered as far as like Mm -hmm. ultimately your fear is the thing that contains you and sets you back more than a lot of other things and as immaterial as fear is it can be the biggest influence on your life and it's like yeah it's really difficult to confront that thing but like you know on the other side of confronting it is potentially a way better life for you
2: yeah you know we typically go into themes here you know we kind of went around that with this episode because i just felt like it was going and working but it is interesting that i would say that that in particular is probably the biggest theme the show has like of course Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things going on with like hidden cameras and corporate overreach and all these things going on but i really think the biggest thing it, it kind of really nails home is like exactly what you're talking about it's like fear trapping yourself into doing the same things all the time and not having anything change. And like his world being so again, sterile, but so on repeat without mm-hmm. and him being so oblivious to it because it's just like he doesn't want to change anything about his life uh, until one thing kind of finally makes him go, wait a minute. You know, it's like, it. it, it it's weird that it takes a bunch of happenstance realistically you could say divine intervention maybe but it takes a lot of happenstance like his radio accidentally tuning into the wrong frequency and you know seeing some things that are just like wait a minute it's like he has enough moments that come together that it's almost by accident that he gets out it's not even because of his pure adventurous spirit to get out that doesn't start to grow more until he starts to feel like maybe there's something suspicious going on in the background you know
0: absolutely Yeah. yeah I love that whole radio sequence, too, where it cuts to like the the clear calm that like that the stage dudes are like talking to each other and like giving like set directions and all that like mm-hmm. there's a i mean there's so many like layers of like movie jokes, not the least of which is that Truman's last name is Burbank and Burbank is where a lot of filming uh is located <laughs> mm-hmm. in Los Angeles and it happens mm-hmm. to be where I live um But, yeah, fuck, dude, that that whole sequence was just so good. Like, the coordination and then, like, the feedback and everyone, like, collectively, like, grabbing their ear and
2: going, ah! Like... (laughs) I like that. Well, Chris, did you have anything else you wanted to add to that since you kind of brought that to the forefront?
3: Um, I mean, I don't know. I just think there's a lot of stuff in this movie, like yeah you obviously changed the movie a lot, but like even that scene with the dad like there's a cut of this movie where they've gone through like six different other kids who ended up killing themselves because they were responsible for their dad's death, like <laughs> oh God, it's like a yeah, but- experiment, but Truman show, yes, except good um
2: <laughs> that's that's what we're gonna do, the Truman Show experiment,
3: <laughs> <laughs> but I think the interesting thing you kind of mentioned corporate overreach, and it made me really think about how almost timely this movie is where i feel like if this is a 2020 movie it's about amazon controlling a twitch streamer for their entire life and yeah. how he eventually just can't stop playing apex legends and he needs to stop <laughs> playing apex legends so eventually he breaks his pc and an amazon repair man is running into the window and fixing it and you know it's it's just kind of like this this theme of like they can do anything and i feel like you kind of would really get a really interesting movie in 2020 with the same concept. So, I thought
2: that as well and because of that, I decided to be like cuz think about it, right now we're in the era of Hollywood being overly concerned with trying to make money off of existing properties right. and pull in and reboot and remake. I think 9 times out of 10 I disagree with it and I started thinking I was like, "You know what? Like I don't know what form it would take, but I don't know that I would necessarily be upset." with a newer take on the truman show Mm. considering that the irony of the fact that our world now is far more for the everyday person closer to what truman was experiencing on an isolated situation Mm -hmm. and i don't know that the movie anticipated to actually predict that i think it was just trying to have a, a novel premise that was kind of forewarning of you know the dangers of certain things but I would really love to see a 2020 thing in here. So I started looking. I was like, you know what? Let's see if anything's going on it. So there's not anything going on it yet. But weirdly enough, Jim Carrey, normally uh, known for refusing to bring back and replay characters of old things um, and not wanting to see them rebooted. He actually had a quote where he says he would love to see the premise rebooted and re or looked at again in some shape or form uh, in 2020 because of the fact Mm -hmm. of, you know, or in modern age because of the fact that the world now is almost like it's, it's almost more relatable because we all have a feeling of like, we're all putting on a face to be on camera or to be on something at some point in time. And we all kind of know what it feels like in a very different way than what yeah. the nineties would have expected. So yeah. I'm mean, just I look at Instagram. Revisited.
0: <laughs> this is a little bit of a side, uh, a detour, but like, remember, I-, I feel like this contributed to it. There were a lot of things wrong with, uh, the first Xbox press conference, <laughs> hmm. uh, before that <laughs> dude ended up having to leave and they brought in Phil Spencer. um, but like <laughs> not the least of the which Xbox i box
2: one okay, to, yeah. yeah
0: yes uh okay so I- i'd be really curious what your guys's like thoughts like remembrances of this was but like For me, it totally just seemed like incredibly poor timing in addition to it being a shit conference where like all the NSA stuff had like just broken like in the preceding (laughs) months. So Uh everyone was super on edge about surveillance. And then Xbox was like, hey, here's this always on camera that has to be connected to the internet for your console to work. And it can record like your body temperature and your heart rate from across the room. (laughs) And I feel like everyone collectively was like, fuck you. (laughs)
2: Yeah, i remember how much the nsa stuff come in people were talking about microsoft signing deals with the nda uh, with the nsa and doing (laughs) all these different crazy things uh yeah that was a really wild time that ironically kind of touches into the fact that if you ask the average person even though we gladly do it ourselves often enough and we clearly have a phone that has Mm -hmm. a camera that could probably look at us at any given moment uh it's I find it ironic that everybody's so against the idea of surveillance and even a lot of people go as far as to cover their webcam on their computer. Nobody does Mm -hmm. anything to cover their front facing camera. -hmm. Yeah, on their phones. On their phone. And like the the crazy thing about phones is like for last year, for a little bit, there were a lot of pop up camera phones where if you weren't using the front camera, it would actually recess back in and you had a full 100% screen. And Mm -hmm. one of the reasons I've kind of wanted to go with that and I was really hoping it would be a more common thing um, was because of that extra layer of security of like, it'd be great if my front camera was not able to be accessed by. Google or who made my phone or a a random hacker for my Mm. front facing camera when I don't want them to be. You know it's like it is way more inconvenient to put a piece of definitely when we're dealing with cameras that are hole punches and notches and whatnot it's way more inconvenient to try and cover that than it is on a laptop you know but it's also funny that people will willingly go out and buy the phone and including me i know it's it's kind of hypocritical it's just one of those things where you're like the convenience outweighs the concern that i have but if you ask people point blank hey would you be comfortable with someone recording you at any given time and you not knowing they'd all say no
0: yeah. Could I actually <laughs> I, run through some questions that are on this subject that I think would be interesting to get everyone's answers? Sure. So, uh, how many of you have a smart TV?
3: Yes.
2: I think I think all of us. You
0: bought a TV in the last, what, five years, probably? Yeah. Uh, okay. So, how many of you have <laughs> gone into the settings to check out like the additional features that are like make sure cuz like by default uh smart TVs report information back to the manufacturer mm-hmm. um and generally it's it it's most likely that it's just like troubleshooting diagnostics it's it's lines of code um but there's always the concern out there that because it does technically include access to uh microphones if it's like a voice activated one as well as like your watching history, like have you guys gone into your settings to mess with any of that or have you left it stock?
2: <laughs> no. I will answer first. I've gone in to see what the settings are, to see what my freedoms are, but I've mm. tended to leave them alone. Um, honestly, in any given room that I have a TV in, um, I'm not that definitely a smart TV. My living room, which is part of the area that would have the most. Uh, potential for getting weird information that would be helpful is not a smart tv it's actually a 10 year old really great samsung still uh Mm. but yeah it's something that it's actually a conscious decision i made with my google home as well my google home mini only exists in my bedroom i'm not really in my bedroom unless i'm sleeping or doing the dirty here's the thing about doing the dirty if you want to listen to me do the dirty i don't care you're not (laughs) going to get any kind of i mean maybe i guess you'll want to market sex stuff toward me but other than (laughs) that you're not getting much from me you know what i mean
0: you're gonna get national secrets
2: I do try and make a. <laughs> now I I'm just try imagining
1: try make people make having effort. sex and like whispering national secrets <laughs> to each other.
2: <laughs> the oh, the code kids.
3: is. Uh... <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, that's something. And, you know, I almost wonder if watching Truman Show, my, my first time watching the movie, I was pretty young. Uh, I was probably nine, the first time mm-hmm. I can remember watching it, um, maybe 10. And I remember being kind of freaked out by the premise. <laughs> kind of like Chris said, it's a very disturbing movie. Um, and I don't know if that's carried forward with me or if there's other people in my life who have just who are that kind of worried that I think about those things. So I normally go in and look at what my options are and I think about the way I use the device and if I'd prefer them to be on or off. So mm-hmm. like Facebook, for example, I have all of my off Facebook activity completely locked off. Yeah. But... Chris, what about you, man? Are you super secretive? Do you whisper no, national secrets while you're having coitus?
3: <laughs> yes, but I'm fine with people hearing that. <laughs> Are you a Russian bot? <laughs> I listen. I don't know. It's, for all I know, <laughs> who, who can be sure? As long as I get my checks in my bank account, whatever you can take over my 60 followers on Twitter. <laughs> um, no, I. I don't know. I'm one of those people, like, this is going to sound really bad, but I've gotten to the point where I've kind of leaned into it, where I don't care enough, and I know it's really bad, I should care, but I've gotten to the point where I've, like, been like, I can't think of this thing, and then I'll just start talking about something I'm looking for, and then just looking through my Instagram ads, hoping that something showed up, you know? (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) I just, I'm at the point where, like, I personally just don't think there's much I can do about it. So I might as well use it to my advantage.
2: So this is yeah, like you hoping for the weird situations in the Truman Show, where she's like, all the crazy stuff has happened, and he's asking her why she does, why she wants a baby with him, and she's like, yeah. "By the way, do you want some of this mocha?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that shit. <laughs>
3: yeah, I mean,
2: like i've had other cocoa and none of it's like this that's such a that goes that goes back to your point of it feeling like kind of like a horror movie that's it's funny but it's so unsettling like if you could if you change the tone around that you could make that so creepy Uh uh-huh make that so damn creepy if her her eye just starts twitching a little bit like all sorts of stuff man i mean now you've got me really wanting to recut this movie as a horror movie but i guess we should (laughs) get back to talking about the movie um so one of the things we haven't brought up too much of, though we did talk about a little bit, is the kind of montage they gave as the movie explained. Uh, again, this is another one of those movie, uh, one of those points in the movie where I kind of wish it it would have been left to the viewer to kind of pick up on these things, uh, which I think most people would have. But it would have made them feel a little more rewarding. Uh, but how the movie eventually reveals that they've had to manufacture reasons as to why he would be as- afraid to leave the area. Yeah. Um, you know. I like you know the movie at least gives you a little bit of that time before it comes up it actually waits until pretty far into the movie to for sure tell you that uh, even though you can Mm -hmm. pick up on it so you know you have like really early on you have the radio when he's driving to work uh, about the perils of flying uh, and that's of course a way to keep him content with where he's at (laughs) and as he keeps going he's at work and he's obviously asking about Fiji and his co-workers hearing him so he chooses to bring something to his attention that not only forces him it, it Max is two things almost. It's like, it forces him to go to something that they know he has a fear of water, but it also almost as like the the way that he throws it out, there's like a placation of like, Hey, you know, get you some fresh sea air. That's what, you know, it's good for you because he's talking about Fiji. So it's like, they're trying to use it as a placation, but also a way to kind of make him confront something he's not comfortable with. So that he'll start to think off against potentially going to Fiji. And mm. I just, I, I like that the movie does it a lot because, like, you see him nervous for the boat ride. Uh, you, and you see all these things that kind of like. <laughs> later in the movie, there's the poster with the plane when he's waiting for the woman to yes, come Yes, I was just fight. about to bring that and up. It's, it's
3: got struck by lightning and says
2: it could happen
3: <laughs> to you. <laughs> I really like that part. Yeah, that was funny.
2: I just there's something about that that I would have loved for them to keep because like definitely even the dad like when you kind of see the situation with the flashback to him thinking about his dad you're like oh okay like you knowing the context of what the movie's trying to do you're able to kind of be like oh okay yeah they totally manufactured that like they just wrote his dad off and it's not like the movie treats it as a big reveal to you so much as it treats it as a big reveal Truman, I guess, would be the best way to kind of word it i mean it 's kind of a reveal to some of the audience who have clearly not been watching as long as other people uh, but that 's a really really interesting thing within that movie that I kind of wish would have just been left to the viewer, but again, the movie kind of needs to touch on it. <laughs> yeah unfortunately uh, did you guys have anything about that stuff that you noticed or, or liked about it or disliked or thought
3: that it helped or hurt the movie uh, i i don't know i kind of thought some of the stuff around the dad was a little weird but nothing that really i would say took me out it was just kind of like well if okay if the dad was leaving because he wanted to tell truman why would you give him access to truman again mm-hmm Uh, That like I get that you're doing as like this, this oh it's this great return and it'll settle him down, but it's like if he if he was gonna tell him he's probably still gonna tell him right, like he just lose that moral center for a second
2: the movie treats him as if he gets on the stage uh, or gets on the set as a homeless man. So I think what the movie's trying to tell you is that since his time on the show, he's actually fallen on hard times. So I'm, I would assume, of course, the movie doesn't just blatantly Mm. say it. I would assume that the thought process behind bringing him back and we clearly see it happen this way is that the dad would be so happy to be back in employment and having money and having these things that, it would keep him from wanting to say it, you know. No, that's
3: a good point. I didn't actually think of and it that also, way. And
2: also, I don't think that the movie explicitly says the dad wanted to tell him. That's one thing. Uh, the, I think the the movie it, it says that they had to manufacture the ultimate way that they could to convince or to make uh, Truman have a scaredness of travel and water right. and all the things. And of course, he's on. He's surrounded by water, so it makes all these situations hard for him. He's like you know locked in. Uh, but it's just to me that's one of those things where the movie kind of brings him back in, and it seemed to fit. Yeah, but I do get what you mean, and I, and again, the dad situation is another one of those things that makes this movie kind of be like the more you think about it, the more disturbing this whole setup is.
3: Yeah, <laughs> the dad is like the specific part that kind of fucks me up because it's like you just gave this man this child incredible trauma that he's gonna live with the rest of his life that he is responsible for his dad's death yeah and that's just so while
2: we're on the topic of a father stuff sure there's something that I think the movie is really interesting whenever they start showing off Kristoff and Mm -hmm. it's going through all this stuff he starts giving off like these gross justifications of why it's okay to do what he's doing as yes. the creator of the show. And that makes sense. Like you hear, it and you're like, okay, yeah, this makes sense within the thing that's going on. And he says he's going to give him a chance to live a normal life, like that quote that uh, Josh had mentioned whenever Sylvia called in. Um, and, you know, of course, that stems from him being an unwanted pregnancy. So in his mind, he's giving him a life that he otherwise may not have had. He may have been sure. aborted or any number of things. But the Which, what a, what to a me, throwaway
0: line, by the way.
2: Right? Right? He's an unwanted pregnancy. I was like, man, they only say that once, but that does have a big effect on what his life could have been like. Can I read the sentence real quick? Yeah, go ahead. It's one of the most
0: cynical things I've heard in a movie in a long time, including uh, the horror movies we've just watched. Uh, In competition with five other unwanted pregnancies, the casting of a show determined by an air date, Truman was the one who arrived on cue.
3: Yeah, that was wild. (laughs) Oh my god.
2: (laughs) It's a very... That's the thing. It's
3: a very nefarious movie. And I think... (laughs) This is going to sound really bad, but I think if this movie had taken place from ages 1 to 18, I would be a little bit more okay with the movie. But the fact that he becomes an adult, capable of making his own decisions, and they continue keeping him there, is -hmm. at that point, it's a kidnapping, in my opinion. Ah. Oh, because kind of weird they adopted or, 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 him so like realistically as long as they're providing him food shelter money
2: they're not like the government from a parent
3: huh sorry i'm sorry you're fine
2: They're not different from a parent it, huh?
3: sorry, exactly but he because he, he becomes a legal adult so like you would think legally they have to let him go because they're his quote-unquote parents but they're no longer legally responsible for him Huh. So that kind of puts this really weird spin on this movie where it's like, where are the cops? Because these dudes stole this man's life. They kidnapped him and kept him, I guess, as well.
2: Now, like the movie says, at this point, even though they've manufactured a lot of very screwed up ways to keep him there, the way of them trying to keep him there, because he is an adult, like he mentions, he can leave at any time he wants if he just had the actual motivation and the drive to do it. But instead it's like a vague, not real motivation. And just, it is interesting. It's like they implanted enough. And this movie's got indoctrination of the asshole. It's like, I think that's a big theme as well is the the dangers of indoctrination. (laughs) But it's like, this whole movie is about what from the time he is a child and he's more susceptible, what can we do to make him not want to leave the situation so that even once he is an adult and maybe this moral line grays even further or gets crazier is like, well, technically we're not holding him against his will. He's living here. He's doing everything a normal person would. He does work a job regardless of how controlled it is. He does make a payment and he does get paid for it. He buys and pays for his own house. He lives a, <laughs> For the world he's always known, he lives a normal life, and he can technically leave whenever he wants, but they've just put a lot of measures in place to make sure that he doesn't want to do that. It is, again, it's one of those morally obscure movie situations where it's like, huh, like you have to kind of formulate it in your head, because you don't know, but I think the movie does try and at least hint at the fact that they are... Aware of the fact that it's worse, even worse, that he's adult who's been continuously kept. I mean, of course, it's not any better that he was a child. But you're right. When they act as an analog for parental figure and and parents, does it really matter? You know, I mean, they they give him parents, they give him a place to live, they make sure he's raised and fed. They just do it with a healthy dose of psychological,
3: you know, damage. Well, I mean, the reality is like when he's a child, it's no different than those shitty mommy YouTubers. You know, it's the same. They're exploiting their children for money. I shouldn't have said that, you know, in public, but whatever. Well, I think some of
2: them are and some of them aren't, but I get your point. There are are people that when you're watching them, you kind of get a vibe of like, you're only doing this for your own gain, Um, which is clearly what's going on here, which brings us back around to the point I was originally making with that is that after all these crazy things that Kristoff says, they have these little... (sighs) oddly quiet moments where it's like he has this like sick father-like nature he tries to embody yeah where he's like watching him sleep and like goes up to the screen and like rubs his nose and he has like a parental and i get it because he has crafted everything around him he has that feeling of like he's a father but also kind of like he's a god. And well, I think the movie <clears throat> makes direct reference to this. There's a scene uh, whenever they're out drinking, uh, you know, uh, Truman and his friend, and he's, he's like, look at that sunset. Uh, you know, it's it's none of them have sunsets like that. And he says mm-hmm. something along the lines of, like, uh, that's the paintbrush of, uh, what does he say? I'm trying to even remember. I think I have it in my notes. Um, but he says to the extent of, you know, it's, uh, the big guy, that's what is. he is. He says the big guy, uh, he, he has a quite a paintbrush. And, you know, it kind of makes you think early on that he's talking about God. But then as mm-hmm. you start to see that, like, the sun and the moon and situations, like, where all of them are at, it is almost like they're saying, like, the father of this microcosm universe is Christoph. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, not only the somewhat of a... He views himself as a father figure to Truman, but he also kind of views himself as Truman's god.
3: Yeah, I I kind of feel like Christoph is a father in the same way, like, people who call themselves mothers because they have dogs are, you know? Mm. And because all he does is... It's the same as a dog. He feeds waters and watches his animal. And he cares about his animal in the same way. But I don't I don't think it's really like a fatherly thing. And I think that's the really like a really sinister part of him is he plays that role, knowing full well that he's not actually the father and he doesn't genuinely care. Well yeah, because I think it goes
2: way worse because like he's it's even worse than like a pet. It's like of course as someone who has a pet I'm not going to let my dog die just for the sake of what I view as art or for whatever, you know, right. Which is kind of what this movie does whenever he's, I get that it's supposed to be like Christoph is losing control. So he's willing to, he's trying to push it even further and kind of losing his grasp on the sanity of the situation Yeah. because he's worried about everything he's built falling apart. But it's almost like he's, it's also gives you this kind of thing of like, he's doing it for artistic value. It's like, well, the world already knows all this. We're going to keep it running and America's going to see this and the whole world's going to see this. And we're going to make sure that we put him in a situation where he can come back out. And they even kind of reference it like, this is our hero shot then we're going to give you this situation and you see the cut to the crowd whenever he pulls himself back up into the boat and everybody's like yeah truman it's, like mm-hmm. it's all part of like this thing where it's like in his mind it was all about being the creator the god the person right. who controls and runs everything
3: if anything he loves the world more than he loves truman sure because yeah. you know
2: yeah, because he doesn't want the world to go, because like the world is his whole creation. Yeah. Yeah, the tr- Truman like, is a, like they, the center of it technically.
3: Yeah, well, Truman Truman's the vessel we see the world in, but he built the world. He didn't build Truman. He just gave Truman the ability to be the vessel in the world he built. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. that
2: you also mentioned that. There's a. I don't know if any of you caught it. Uh, I'd never caught it until now, because you know, watching it under different circumstances, uh, there's the scene when he's chasing his dad. And he comes up under the two archways that say Unus uh, Pro Omnibus and Omnis Pro Uno. It's like the town's uh, motto that's on the archways. And I decided to look that up and see what it was in Latin. And it translates to one for all and all for one, which is weird because it's backwards of what you normally expect. But it's kind of a cool Easter egg because the town's existence is just for Truman and his Mm -hmm. show and the whole thing he's doing it means he's the one so he's the one for all which is being broadcasted to all to see Uh, and the all for one being the townspeople who were only there in service of Truman it's like a really Mm -hmm. weird twisted thing that I thought was like I love when people do weird things like that that most people probably won't see and you likely won't even I didn't see it until I've seen the movie probably like eight times and I'm just now seeing it yeah great detail yeah and uh one of the other things that i loved rewatching it was kind of fun because like you know again i kind of knew what to expect it sure. was really cool watching the movie and actually trying to spot in scenes where the hidden cameras were because of course <laughs> it's not easy right like that <laughs> i love the neighbor who every morning carries a trash can that's empty just, yeah. just with a giant black obvious camera on it but again <laughs> truman knows no different what yeah. He's always seen. Why would he think anything weird of it? Yeah, uh, and and of course you have like the the little radio and car. Like you can look at different things and you start being like, oh yeah, that that's that. Uh One of the ones I, I saw, and I'm fairly positive was one was when his bike, his wife was riding up on the bike when he's in the car. Uh, if you look inside of her horn, it's a camera. It's not a horn. <laughs> Uh, so you see you start to see that i'm pretty sure when he's in his car the two overhead lights that would normally be there if you look they're two black round things i think those are also cameras so you have these things that you're constantly kind of seeing. It, it, it's fun to rewatch because it's like you get to mm-hmm. see even more of what builds up this universe of like they really had all the stuff in mind to be like yeah we're gonna make sure that every bit of this feels like it was really just you dropping in on somebody creating a show right
3: so this movie left me with one question and it was like, ha- do they watch him sleep? Yeah. Yeah. Because See, that brings up even more shit about this movie that is so insidious is that if you look at it that way, these people watch him jerk off. They watch him fuck. Uh, they watch him paint. examine his balls. They watch all this shit that <laughs> I, nobody movie, wants to see.
2: The movie directly references pretty much that. Yeah. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't catch it there's the joke that is made when it cuts to like the documentary of like interviewing people who watch it. Uh, whenever she grabs him by the chin and is like, let's go clean you up. Uh, and after she talks about wanting to make a baby, yeah. Um, And clearly, it's implying they're going to the room to have sex. And the two cops, or the security guards, rather, who are watching are like, they never show you anything. They just move the camera away. You see the curtains move. (laughs) Uh, Okay. I didn't catch that,
3: but yeah, all right.
2: The movie does touch on it at least enough to make it less. Because, yeah, that's if they didn't, your mind would be left to wonder, like, what the
3: fuck because <laughs> i mean they just watch him shit like he just has a bad bout of di- of diarrhea and it's like oh is truman gonna get out of it is he gonna stop pooping like <laughs> I don't it's know. like an hour this of ad for you know <laughs> angel soft Ryan toilet paper is coming up
2: uh anyway yeah um yeah that's an interesting one um i'm glad the movie actually does take account for that though
3: no i i'm glad you pointed that out because it makes it like less bad in my head but still a little bad no still a lot bad but like less a lot you know
2: <laughs> yeah
3: yeah
0: yeah I, I definitely respect like this movie answers pretty much all of the but what about this questions like someone could have about it and it i i think reasonably justifies it uh it justifies a lot of it by i think real world logic and then you know kind of is at least consistent with its own logic for the rest of the stuff that is you know a a pretty gigantic leap like yeah we just built a giant dome in the middle of hollywood and (laughs) you know we can afford that and we're never affected by earthquakes or brownouts or you know wildfires or anything
2: Mm mm-hmm And of course, you could. You have some suspension of disbelief, like, well, maybe they have crazy generators, because of course, this is a multi-million-dollar thing that happens now, but. You have to think about, like, what happens before it grew super big? Like, what happened when it was still a relatively small show that not everyone was watching? Was it always 24 hours streamed? There's a line, again, and these inconsistencies are going to come up occasionally, but you're right, the movie does a ton to be super consistent within itself, and the few parts that it slips up I don't think are too egregious. My wife watching with me was like, when he mentions the episode when you got your first tooth, she was like, well, if it streams for 24 hours a day, then it wouldn't be an episode. I'm like, that's true.
1: Well, they (laughs) did the theme song when he wakes up in the morning, right? So would it just a
3: day be an episode? Yeah, I guess that's how I, I, that's how I took the line. Yeah. Again, a more evidence of how insidious this movie is, is that (laughs) Christoph thinks of his life in episodes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh
2: man. Uh, Okay. So unless anybody else kind of wants to talk about anything, I think the last thing I have to think about the movie in general is I love the opening monologue uh that Christoph gives even before Mm -hmm. you're not you're not you you know in terms of if you watch it for the first time you're not even sure who he is you're just kind of seeing something you're like okay but i think it perfectly sets the tone for the sentiment that leads to a super gross experiment (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. it's like everything going on kind of is touched on in that opening monologue it's just you don't realize it's going to be a really perverse experiment based off of that ideology but I like when movies open with that kind of thing because it does feel like they're from the opening set stone. They're like, hey, we know what we're about. We're just we're going ahead and getting into it, and we're going to kind of do a setup that's going to be paid off later that's going to make more sense, and I really do enjoy
3: that. You mentioned that, and that's something that really surprised me about the movie is that they didn't try and slow play the reveal that this was a TV show because that's what I was expecting, that I was going to find it out with Truman, and I'm glad I didn't because it always gives you this like sense of, I mean, are you fucking crazy that you're not seeing these signs? And then it's like, well, he would never see these signs because he knows these signs, you know, but yeah, uh, I'm just, I'm glad they didn't cop out there. They were just like, no, nope, this is a fucking show and we are horrible people. And this is the movie <laughs> that we're watching. Yeah. Uh,
2: all there, right. Well, something... if anybody else has anything to add, go ahead. And then I think we can go into uh scenes we enjoyed.
0: Yeah. Uh, just to kind of follow up on, uh, that last bit I, I feel like there's something that really like like chris was saying there wouldn't be any tension if it was just like all right we're waiting to find out like like there would be but it's kind of like there'd only be one moment whereas when you're in on a secret and you're kind of looking around the room waiting for mm-hmm. the one person who's not in on it to get it then every moment is tension so i, I think <laughs> in that yeah. way it it executes it super yeah funny.
3: That's a really good analogy. <clears throat> right, it's like um, I think it was it was either Tarantino or Hitchcock. It might have been Tarantino talking about a Hitchcock quote. they was saying you show the bomb at the beginning because the bomb is what gives the scene suspense, and that's the whole. That's exactly what this movie does, and I really love it for doing that.
2: Yeah, yeah. no, good choice, and I and like and it definitely leads into what we're talking about. Of the movie knows what it wants to be out of the gate, and it mm-hmm. does everything it needs to to exceed in that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I think it's time to start with scenes, Blake. If uh, you want to kick off, what were some scenes that you loved? I know you've already mentioned a couple, like her pulling down the map and saying it was all. Ex- <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other, any other visual scenes, or just funny scenes, or you know, things that stood out to you that you really enjoyed?
1: Yeah, the only other one that I wrote down and really can think of that stood out to me was the uh, the raining scene where it like malfunctioned or whatever. And it was and, just and raining on him small rain Yeah. And then it started pouring everywhere. I thought that was really good. He's trying to like outrun it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that at first he kind of feels like lucky like that it hit him and then he moves out and he's like wait a minute and then it follows him and then he's like yeah, I I'll be able to make this thing follow me. And again, mm. he doesn't find that odd. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh Josh, you got anything that you uh that stood out to you?
0: Yeah. uh, One little Easter egg when uh, there's the moment where Kristoff is kind of composing and he's like shouting out to everybody like, "How do this, like, you know, pull out with this camera or like, you know, music swell, which obviously is like such a vague, like, bullshit movie cue of like, music swell. Like, uh, oh, yeah, sure. I know. I'll hit the swell button. Um, (laughs) But uh, it is uh, Philip Glass uh, in that shot who uh, does all of the non-classical score for this movie.
2: Oh, that's
0: cool. Which yeah. is also super interesting to me because he usually does like really existential films that are like contemplative, wordless montages on the human experience. So it's really interesting that they picked him for this movie.
2: Um, I guess it'd be more ex- interesting that he chose to accept the movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's, it's interesting on both sides.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I, I'm that's a thing I'm going to read into uh, after this because I'm super curious,
2: like how that happened. Um, i would be willing to bet that due to the subject matter of the movie regardless of the actual tone that it takes i bet he found the subject matter so compelling and having its own form of existentialism within it Mm. you know because like the movie kind of does touch on like you know towards the end it's like hey you know stay in here the world doesn't the world has all the same problems out there but you know they don't have all the great things that we have alongside the the bad things that we have here um which kind of you in the thing of like, and of course that movie touches on existentialism, existentialism from the Do you even exist? I think the movie kind of touches on him being like, you know, what, am I even truly living? What is life? You know, when you've grown up in that situation and you don't know any different, when you start to see suddenly all of it fall apart, you have, you, you have to have a feeling of like, what can I trust to be real anymore? Yeah. You know, is my life even real? Uh, absolutely yeah uh, any other scenes that uh, stood out to you that you liked or any other easter eggs you caught uh,
0: I, I've got a couple quotes uh, one of them is uh, when Christoph is taking calls and it like transfers to the next call and it's like the hag the hag for Christoph hello and it's just like oh, that's funny because it's like you know that's where, like the seat of like the, the world court is so. um, uh, <laughs> okay
2: <laughs> it, it I just like pick a, up on that
0: yeah, I don't know if it was, I think it was like a, It's. it sounds funny, I, it was probably just like a random person who just happens to be located there, but yeah. Um, another one is the whole sequence with his best friend where they're they're like sitting out on like the dock and talking and like, I was so curious where that was going to go of like the, them kind of dancing around what it seemed like they both knew and couldn't address of like, you know, like. Uh, If I've been, if everyone is in on this, then that would mean I'm in on it, too. And him, like, saying that he would never lie to you, but, like, his reaction, like, just having so much emotion behind it. And, like, Truman honestly seeming like he could see through it and just... It almost seemed like they both knew that it was a lie, but he couldn't break the key fob, you know?
1: Yeah.
2: Mm. See, that was the scene to me that was pivotal on trying to understand whether the friend actually cared about him or not because it feels like like you said there's so much emotion in the delivery of uh, I wouldn't lie to you uh, when knowing he's having to lie to him Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like the emotion is an act the emotion almost seems like it's his real emotion of feeling bad for having to lie coming through in the lie he's having to tell Um, but it's kind of weird because you know as the movie keeps going on it kind of pulls away from that. I feel like the movie builds up to the fact that he he does kind of care for him because they've, regardless of situation, they have grown up together. And even though it's just been circumstance, circumstances put them two in each other's life. So it probably is, like he mentions in that um, that speech he's kind of giving, that is the closest thing he's probably had to a brother regardless of whether those were actually his words or not it's like some of it rang true and some of it didn't and he felt bad for the parts that didn't but the movie i think one of the only parts the movie really falters in is it doesn't readdress him anywhere uh right directly after that it's kind of like hey you show up and we're gonna you're gonna be one of the main people that we talk to uh mr big fat liar paul Giamatti, is gonna talk (laughs) to you know um (laughs) And, like, hey, look, he was a big fat liar before uh, Frankie Muniz and Amanda Bynes. <laughs> 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 but, uh, you know, that was a weird thing to me of that, that scene to me and going, you know, the, even though it was a lie of like finding the father, I'm like, it would have been a lot better. Had they gotten a moment afterwards to where they could kind of like decompress the fact that it's not real and kind of be like, I don't, and I don't know the movie needed it, but I feel like I would have enjoyed a scene of them two getting to be like, cut the shit, yeah, this is this is the real, you know. I, I don't again, I don't know that the movie needed it, but when you're rewatching it, you kind of have that like, well, what if?
0: Absolutely. I mean, plus like just the way their friendship is two-dimensional but there are moments that almost feel kind of genuine and the way it just feels like you know aside from the facade like there is still like a human being who like cares for this other person and just feels bad for this whole thing he's been involved in like it's such well written dialogue i think as far as like how they're playing with the scene and it being like christoph in earpiece and just like the delivery of it and just i don't know that's like a fantastic scene
2: It really is. And like you said, I think the big thing that makes that friendship work within the bounds of the movie is that every, besides Sylvia or Lauren, whatever you call her, besides her, it seems like all of the real interactions are the closest thing to real interactions that Truman has is with him you know is with his best friend and that's kind of interesting because that's kind of the role of a best friend is like you know the person who's going to go through crap with you and have a more nuanced real experience and can kind of be like hey you know we've both been here we know that we're having fears of not living up to what we would have wanted regardless of how true it is it still feels real and I think it's the closest thing to real uh, human companionship that he probably has in that fake world Absolutely. And they do a good job of embodying that. Because his wife, it never feels like that that relationship makes sense, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, she interacts with him like she's his caretaker. Yes, yeah.
2: Which is just weird. You know, like when she walks in (laughs) and says... I made mac and cheese, like weirdly. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, what did you want? And like, she doesn't even say it like, oh, uh, I made mac and cheese. It's like, what do you want? And it's like, she like slaps the smile on and it's like, oh, I made <laughs> mac and cheese. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, it's just an so, awkward moment.
0: Yeah. It's so 50s, like, you know, TV commercial version of a housewife.
2: But it, it works for some reason again into the whole idea of like how weirdly sterile everything is. And mm. I don't know. Oh, another great horror scene. I guess this is one I'll throw in to speak with you know, to maybe Chris had this one. I think <laughs> one of the big moments that kind of could be cut and changed and contextually switched around to feel very horror driven is uh, the moment and it already exists but the moment where he breaks uh, and has the chef pal to her neck and, and she's like somebody help and he's like wait what did you say <laughs> it's a really tense scene but the tension is kind of led off by the fact of like you feel the same as he does because you don't feel like he's in the wrong mm. <laughs> it's a very weird scene. Uh, but, Chris, you got any scenes that you liked uh, that you <clears throat> want
3: to add into that? Um, no, I mean, the big scenes that I really liked were all the, uh, the audience scenes. And uh, specifically, I loved the guy in the fucking tub that guy was the best and there's that just one scene of him hanging on the shower curtain where i'm like my first thought was not that is very unsafe is how fucking sturdy is that shower curtain that is an incredible shower curtain and where can i get one
2: but my other thought was that this man is so dedicated that he's like mimicking what he's seeing on tv
3: yeah well that's the other question that i have about that that guy is that was he taking a bath through the entire 30 years of the show or something because he never gets out of the bath yeah my wife
2: was like this dude's been taking a shower or taking a
3: bath for 10 years the thing is though if I had a TV like that just in my bath, I would a hundred percent be taking like six hour baths. <laughs> like fuck it, I'll binge Westworld and take a bubble. It's fine. <laughs> take a bubble hey, Skyrim. And I do love
2: that before all that goes on and cracks off, he falls yeah. asleep. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like um, he falls asleep too, Truman. Like, yeah, okay, yeah time for me to sleep just like my homie mm-hmm. i, I, I kind of i know it wouldn't have happened but like when they first show him going to sleep and he's kind of like it, it lingers on him for a little bit i was like are they gonna show him like go under because I, I didn't <laughs> remember that scene very well so he coming <laughs> back up i was like Does something crazy happen here that i've forgotten
3: but he just happens. drowns and that's just this random section of the movie no one talks about uh no but him i really liked the restaurant workers um And then one of the security guards was one of the guys from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, so that was, like, really weird. I'm like, oh, Scully's fucking young.
1: (laughs) It's the same thing me and Haley talked about.
3: (laughs) Really? Yeah. He looks good for all the diseases he has. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: Oh man, that's the craziest thing about watching these older movies that we've been yeah. doing is like seeing actors you're very familiar with mm-hmm. in a very different sense. You're like, wait a minute. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean he really upgraded. He went from security guard to police officer
2: to detective.
3: Yeah. yeah. I mean, Good for him. Ben Scully, congratulations.
2: Is this is this how we learn that uh is this our for some reason, the Truman Show exists in the same universe as Brooklyn Nine-Nine. There's
3: legitimately <laughs> no reason not to believe that. It all fits <laughs> in the Tommy Westfall universe. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man. I think we're still... We, we talk about it too much in this show jokingly, but I almost wonder i think about it all the time with the success of the marvel cinematic universe mm. how far removed are we from everybody wanting every piece of fiction to somehow exist in the same universe there's
3: a theory about that if you know i was if you never
2: heard yeah, that? You, you spoke about it on the, yeah. on the episodes we did so
0: i uh sort of related i'll make it quick i had this idea yesterday that uh in the situation where uh you know the planet's on the brink of collapse we didn't get to the spacefaring stage in time and in our last ditch effort is like all right just put everyone into a simulation and they just get to live in like eternal bliss until the world that, that you know the computer itself is in uh, collapses around it and then everyone just doesn't even know it's like pulling the plug i i always think it'd be interesting if it's like what if the most popular ip is the thing like that's the world that we all get put into so it's like right now it's like odds are we're either going to be in the
3: mcu or star wars forever yo give me the mcu i don't need that star wars shit i'm good give me the mcu
2: so hey chris if i'm not mistaken going back to your thing about how everything's tied together isn't it something to do with like a snow globe that a kid shakes and it's like a different Correct, yeah. Yeah. each one of them yeah. uh, that, that snow globe is the globe that the Truman Show takes place in <laughs> oh. there we go <laughs> I'm
0: Anybody. down for
2: that we figured it out alright well I'm going to do a couple of my favorite scenes uh, Blake already mentioned the one with the rain shaft following him which I think was just a really good scene it yeah. does tie back to that very classic uh, it's funny and w- crazy in a, Jim, in a Jim Carrey way but it also totally yeah. makes sense in the context of the movie in a way that doesn't feel crazy Um, Weirdly enough uh, There's a scene That I just love The way that it looks And it also adds To the tension Of the movie Uh, Whenever he's starting To question everything And kind of Changing his pattern And there's a scene Where the camera Is focused on a car mirror And you see the car mirror Rotating following him it was just a cool visual scene because it's like the majority of the mirrors what frame the shot but you're still seeing all the action happen through a rear you know just a a mirror it was one of those cool moments of like how can you do something that thematically fits but also gives you a very striking shot bam you got it uh another one of those that was uh that was cool of that kind of situation was the hidden camera and the pencil sharpener when he's talking and it's looking at him it's perfectly straight and then when he goes to put the pencil in you see around it spin and then when he pulls the pencil out the camera's sideways. Yeah, I, think, uh, I think a lot of work went into obviously having professional cameras framed in such a way that you'd believe that they were the cameras they were claiming them to be because like, you'd know, be like button cam five and it'd be like the most crystal clear camera you've ever seen. <laughs> With like immediate great focus pull. Like it had a super long lens on it. Which clearly doesn't exist on a button camera. Um, But for some reason the movie sells it. Like you don't not think. That's not a button camera realistically. Unless you're overly thinking. If you're just watching the movie. You're like totally. Yeah that's it you know they they wrapped it in this little button looking thing and they put it uh you know like on his car radio he had a camera in his car radio and you saw the digits through it in a way to try and sell that as well i like that aspect where it's like hide in plain sight everything that we have you know it's it's really interesting um one of the last things i want to bring up um which was just kind of uh, it goes back into that uh the, the movie hitting things directly on the nose but it just being really good for it anyway uh, yeah. as whenever his wife is taking his mom home and she's like oh your favorite t- TV show's coming on and <laughs> he turns he turns TV on and leaves and it's uh, the guys coming up it's like oh coming up next is the parable about not leaving home to have to learn about the world around you and it's just <laughs> like further hammers home that indoctrination that the movie kind of just exists in Yeah, uh, yeah. I just thought that was a funny scene because with everything going on around it, and even his face when he sees it is like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> there uh. There is something
0: about like the relentlessness of every single detail of this movie, like all serving the greater theme. But it it never like wears on you. It feels like it's all genuine and it's all well done. And in a lot of cases, it's like really clever.
2: Yeah, Uh the way I actually worded it in my notes was the movie keeps in its sterile absurdity with the links that the entire movie and the cast and everything around it goes in order to keep him from leaving and for feeling like part of the world, that it really adds to the film in a way that could have been easily misdone, but somehow it just works. Yeah. It's like everything about that. And I think sterile absurdity was the best way to work mm-hmm. that. It's like all of it's so absurd and weird and you would never in a million years think of it as normal. But somehow in the context of this movie about a guy who's living in a TV show, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, all right. If anybody has any uh, last words, this is a speak now or forever hold your peace, uh, at least until the next episode when you can randomly shout out. Oh, hey. <laughs> I got <coughs> one. Oh, boy. I'm sorry um, I died. <laughs> you're dying? <laughs>
0: at least dying on a boat Mm. sorry can we film you dying that was what i meant to ask (laughs) Uh, the uh, another quote among many that stood out to me that's a little over the top but honestly it just works so well is we accept the reality of the world with which we're presented Mm. and i think Mm. especially uh and not to make it like a political thing or anything but i think it's just like it's always really interesting to think about you know how much of what You know you or the average person does is true to them and how much of it is just you know it's conditioning based on where they find themselves in you know in time and in society and i think this movie does a really good job of exploring that without it feeling uh pretentious
2: yeah because you know <clears throat> one of the things that i think is really interesting that we've brushed up on a few times in this podcast is just how differently we all feel about some odd things that you wouldn't think would be a, a point of like oh we clearly all have different feelings about this but it does go to show that all of us living in really different areas has a big effect on the way that we view things uh it's kind of like that whole nature versus nurture argument which that's kind of what that attaches into it's like you know you accept the reality of the world around you that's true i mean you know mm. to, to some extent you base your reality based off of what you've always known to be true at least contextually within yourself yeah and that's a really good quote that's, that's a really good quote from this movie it's a very um, insightful movie yes yeah, it is. I
3: think I think it's interesting, kind of building off that, is that we watched Countdown last week, which in my opinion is a movie about the complete and utter lack of free will. It's and a this movie, movie too. is uh, no. Entirely <laughs> this movie isn't entirely about, you know, the concept of free will and that you do have it. So I think that's kind of interesting that we kind of found a movie on the mediocre side that was the opposite of a great movie that we found (laughs) (laughs) and unintentionally i didn't
2: choose a truman show for that that fact but that is a very interesting thing to have happened yeah yeah all right well gentlemen thank you for joining me as always uh i think what we got to do now is give this show a good old rating so i'm going to start with blake do things in reverse order blake out of five stars, what would you rate this movie for anybody who's curious of your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I give it a very solid four and a half out of five.
2: Mm. Nice, okay, uh, Mister Chris, what you got? Uh, I gave it five stars. <clears throat> you know, uh, to break a little bit of the the character around here, I did. We sometimes when we really feel very strongly about a movie, <laughs> I noticed that Chris, or, Chris, or Blake will post their um. um Oh, how am I forgetting the name of the letterbox, yeah. letterbox uh, thing? And of course, I was excited, and I really thought that you would all love the movie. But I was really surprised to see Chris post a picture with five stars. I was like, "Holy
3: crap!" <laughs> Dude, I'm gonna be honest with you. When I started this movie. I asked myself how I was going to trick myself into hating it because I've managed to hate everything that you guys have liked, <laughs> which is <laughs> part of why like I re- I think I like it even more. I'm like, no, this was sick. Okay, I got nothing to bitch about.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Alright, Josh, uh, as another first-time viewer, where do you land this movie? Uh, five stars. It is goddamn fantastic. And I'm going to round us off with our third five stars, and this Oof. is very similar to the house of a thousand corpses where the main reason I got to give it a five star is just because it's so perfectly executed within what it wants to be. And it never, it never falters in trying to be something else. And that yeah. just makes a hell of a viewing experience. It's like, I don't see how you could watch this. Like Chris mentions, I, you know, he went into it, screwing on his phone, not having high expectations just to kind of have them without thought putting your phone down and paying attention. That's a sign of a, just a great piece of content. You know what I mean? Definitely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well guys, we'll see you all next week where we will be watching a movie that if I'm not mistaken, Josh is going to be selecting. That is indeed correct.
0: Thank you for, uh, (laughs) letting me waste everyone's time with some nonsense rambling as I get to a non sequitur about, uh, I think it's funny that this movie's thematically related because I was thinking of picking it for us to watch before uh it dawned on me how much these movies have in common as far as some of their overall themes on you know uh our lives as individuals and how we interact with the world around us. Mm-hmm. Uh 1988 John Carpenter They Live uh, oh okay I
1: don't, okay
2: never even heard of that movie, so i'm down ready. with that does anybody know what streaming services they live may be on you yeah, give me yeah. five
1: seconds i can tell you i'm already looking stall, it up right now. stall
2: stall <laughs> <laughs> it looks like hulu has it um Perfect. it doesn't specifically say how sling tv has it uh stars has it amazon prime has it for rent uh but
1: it's streaming on showtime too
2: yeah, that's going to be a really interesting one because they're also a few years apart, and they're looking at things. It, it, that, that's going to be a really interesting episode, seeing how yeah. that comes through. And the thing is, is that as much as I am excited for this, I should say I am excited because I've never watched the movie, but I know so much about the movie because I have friends who love the movie.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm so, to yeah, this it.
2: is going to be very similar to like Scarface, where. I'm going to be coming into the movie technically as a virgin viewer but with expectations and knowledge that kind of betrays that um, so it's going to be really cool Cool to see how this kind of lands uh, so okay cool uh, so you guys have throughout the next week to check out They Live uh, Hulu if you have that it looks to be one of the options hopefully it's not an HBO add-on within Hulu uh, but yeah we'll check that out and we'll come back and have a great episode where Mr. Uh, Josh will be hosting next time so To round things off, uh, we want to go ahead and reach out and tell you guys that if you like the show and you randomly stumbled across us, you can find us across any of the podcast services that you may enjoy, be it iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, uh, however you find us and wherever you're most comfortable listening to us. Uh, We should be on there, and we always say, if we're not, let us know and we'll make it happen. Uh, If you're on iTunes and can offer up a review or another service that has reviews, consider giving us one. It lets us uh, know that you, what you feel about the show. It lets other people know if the show is worth your uh, their time. Uh, and, of course, it lets us know how to update and change the show uh, in a way that, fits what you do and don't like about it uh, you can also find us on social media where you can be part of our weekly uh, gatherings where we post screenshots from the movies that we're talking about if you want to see some uh, beautiful screens that are grabbed by Mr. Blake uh, and shared out there uh, we have some games where we do where we put emojis up and see if you can guess the movies that are pretty cool and pretty fun uh, little cool anecdote kind of funny anecdote rather my mom who is not very big into animated movies, uh, could not figure out Spirited Away. Uh, and she called me and said, or she texted, she said, what is this movie? I said, I'm not going to tell you what the movie is. Three days later, she calls me <laughs> in the middle of the night, I'm not even joking, like 11.45, and she's like, what is the movie? <laughs> I, said, Mom, I was like... I told you you're not going to know it. It was spirited away. And she goes, that helps me. None <laughs> hangs up. <the> <laughs> so, uh, That's fun. Go check those out. Uh, we plan to do more, but find us on Facebook over uh, just midweek matinee. You can find us on there over on Twitter. You can find us at matinee underscore midweek. And lastly, if you would like to support the show with more than just your time, uh, then you can always do so by heading over to our Patreon. But it appears that Mr. Blake needs to interrupt before Patreon. So go ahead, Blake.
1: Yeah, real quick. I double-checked with uh Hulu of they live is available there. It is not. It is available on Hulu if you have a Showtime or a Stars add-on. So hey, You.
2: Good to know. According
1: I uh, I was wondering because you said Hulu but it wasn't on the Just Watch app that I use. So mm-hmm. you can have it with Stars, Showtime or DirecTV apparently. And those also right. include the add-ons for Hulu or Amazon. So
2: Yep. yep, or if you're just already super familiar with the film, then you can just listen to along to our ramblings. Uh, but. As we were going to get into, thank you for addressing that Blake for people to kind of have a better idea of where to yeah. find it if they're not used to it. That's good to know. Appreciate you. Uh, and we're gonna go ahead and get into our patrons. So if you would like to support the show with more than just your time, head over to patreon.com slash nartech and you can get weeks of the you can get the episode a week early of this show as well as some other stuff for our other podcasts that I do every week with my buddy Saul, which is Triangle Squared a PlayStation Podcast, where we talk about gaming as a whole through the lens of people who are primarily PlayStation fans, but we do talk about everything. Uh, and that will wrap it up for us. So we will see you guys next week. Thanks to our patrons, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popes, Kevin Bacon Bits, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stoner. Travis Blow, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanland, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, hey. <laughs> Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, and last but certainly not least, Mr. El Thank you guys so much. <laughs>